Hi, I'm Lori, and I want to welcome you to the Awakening Moments podcast. And I'm Rhonda. Lori and I are pastors here in Ottawa, Canada, and we're both wives, moms, and most importantly, daughters and servants of God. And it's our hope and prayer that you would have awakening moments with us as we wrestle through the hard things in life. Lori and I love that we can share our lives with you, so grab your tea or coffee and let's awaken our hearts together. Well, good morning, Laura. Good morning. This is a wonderful day. It is. Podcast day is our favorite day. Yes, Aww. it is. So fun. And we have an amazing guest with us we today. Do. A guest interview. I know. So probably one of my greatest, one of my greatest mentors, one of them. When I think of the women in my life, she'd be right Aww. up there in the top. So this is a huge honor. Absolutely. So we have on the podcast today, Pastor Joyce Doctor pastor, <laughs> Reverend uh, Joyce Boucher, who happens to be my mom-in-law, lucky me, and uh, and also has, as Rhonda has just said, has been an incredible, incredible mentor in Aww. my life as well. And so I'm just, you're not going to like this, but we're just going to take a minute just to sing your praises just for yeah, a second. No, I don't like this and, at all. And, and if you could see, if you could see, you know, Pastor Joyce will be squirming in her, in her seat as we, as we take a minute, but please just. Yeah. <laughs> because if, if you do, then I'll cry. Oh. And then that's not so great. Oh, oh no. So why don't you just ask me a question no, and then we can no, go. No, we We'll try to get you, all you your can, tears out you of the can, way first. You can do praises as we go through. <laughs> How about that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but then if you just cried all out, then we could just, then you won't have to worry about oh it. Oh my gosh, you are so funny. No, no. But for, you know, for me, honestly, and I've said for, for many, many years, you know, from the time I was, I don't, I mean, I can't even remember right from the very beginning of meeting Jay and meeting you, you know, I sensed that you saw something in me that I had mm. never seen in myself. And even as you started to kind of speak into that, all of the sudden, you know, this woman who was before me just became, you know, such a role model. And to be able to be able to see you stepping into your own and stepping into the calling and the gifting, the 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 spiritual gifting on your life mm. in such a free way mm. um, was it was life changing. I had never seen that before. I had never seen women, you know, in that place before. And you have always been such a role model. How you've lived your life, um, you know, your passion and desire to create a culture of honor wherever mm. you go to live by that, mm. um, and to and to walk that out in your own life. Um, watching you go through incredibly difficult seasons, yeah, and still choosing to bless yep. in spite, and still choosing to honor in spite. And, you know, now Jason and I are about, what, 12 years or so into Leading, leading Life Center. Church, yeah. And most of what we know has been through watching, observing, and seeing you live a life of integrity. And so there, there really is, I, I, could, I could go on and on and on and on. Um, but I'm so, so thankful for the investment and just for you just being who you are, just Aww. being who you are and loving Jesus and leading uh, from who you are. It's been, yeah. It, and I mean, and it continues to be, you continue to be an incredible, incredible role model in my life. Well, you know, that's, that's really kind because you could also talk about all the other sides of me that that are just as real. Oh, as well, I mean, <laughs> we all, we've all got our sides, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but yeah. no, it's, it's, yeah, no, it's, a, it's an extraordinary thing. 
It's an extraordinary thank thing. You. We're yeah. creating thank a you. culture of honor right thank now. Thank you. Yes, you are. <laughs> yes, you are. It goes both ways, right? It goes, yeah, it does. It's hard to receive that. But yeah. I remember just mm-hmm. thinking back when I came to Ottawa, it was the first time I met you. And I was mm-hmm. about 21 years old. We keep talking about 40 Days Ablaze. I don't know how many times it's right. come up in our right. podcast. Right. It changed our lives. Yeah. It changed my life completely. And coming here to Ottawa, I remember the first service I came to when Lori had invited me. And I watched you walk on the stage. It was the first time I'd ever seen a woman in ministry outside of a traveling evangelist that I had seen at like a camp or something like that. I had never seen a pastor of a church that was a woman walk on the stage and give a prophetic word, Mm. speak a message, speak into people's lives. I'd never seen that. And I remember going home and saying, Mom, Mrs. B., there is something about Ottawa. Like, I have never seen a woman in ministry like this. And that started a path where I ended up moving to Ottawa, and you took me right under your wing. When I think of all of us starting on staff in our Mm -hmm, 20s, mm -hmm. never had been in a (laughs) full-time ministry position, and how you literally did exactly that, saw potential, spoke into it, but also brought a lot of excellence, a lot of systems, a lot of understanding of how to walk with integrity, with being in ministry, how to minister, how to give your life yeah. yes. in servanthood. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. That this is not yeah. a job that you would say this is a typical job. This is a life. This is mm-hmm. a call. This is a serving heart that has mm-hmm. to come from. And so you helped cultivate that in hard conversations. Very in hard conversations. A lot of that, but also encouraging all of yeah, it. All of right. it. But took that lead. And I had never had mm-hmm. a woman boss. I never had a woman in ministry that had been a minister, like really been a mentor in that capacity in my life. And it literally has shaped a lot of how I see ministry now. Exactly that, Laura, like the integrity, how to bless, how to walk as a leader, how to really be able to be honoring with those around us. And also call the spade the spade. Yeah, take those hard calls. Do a hard call Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um, not, you have to grow in grace. And so you don't, you know, in the early days of leadership, um, you know, I was known for being pretty tough and um, calling it as as it was. And that's not an easy thing for people to yeah. have to come, come under. Um, but at the same time, I also always wanted to be an encourager and someone that yeah. truly saw potential in everyone that oh, I had yeah. the privilege of you know, overseeing. Well, you do. And we're not going to take much more time because I know you're like, okay, let's move (laughs) on. But you know, there is that thing like when there, there are crises or calls to make, you were the top on our list and you're the first one there. The first one to cry with you, pray with you. So as much as it was, that's exactly the beauty of leadership. Those things that are held together, those hard moments where you speak right into someone's life, something very difficult and it's tense and it's hard, but then the love and the grace that when you're there too for all those moments. And so that is something I think of. And when I, I stepped out of full-time ministry for a season, you I did. remember my boss at the time saying to me, where do you come from? Where do they make people like you? Mm. And I actually was like, well, I've been under an amazing leader. And that's exactly what happens wow. when you come under someone that's able to speak into your life, love you, encourage you, call the hard shots, call you to task. You actually end up operating at an, a place some of that you do. just, some, some people, people I guess, can't it's true. arise to that. Yeah. And so if you don't have that leadership and full-time commitment to the Lord, yeah. then that can also be very crushing, yes, right? And true. so I've seen the other side. Yeah. And I've, you know, we've seen people 
very difficult decisions that were had to be made. Mm. And, you know, it took years. And then finally mm. people came back and said, now we understand. Yeah. And thank you. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, it's not easy <laughs> when you're a having cost. to. Yeah, yeah. there is a cost. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you for paying that cost. Oh, and yeah, for sure. Yeah, so when I think of top mentors in my life, you would definitely be on that hand. When well, I think you have of a what pretty to, incredible mother and mother Oh, and mom. Absolutely. That's <laughs> yes. what I'm saying. In my hand, I yes. can. But for ministry leadership, yeah. Mrs. Yeah. B, I, I don't think I've had anyone in women's ministry be a mentor in that way. So thank, thank you. you for that. Thank yeah. you. It's really amazing. Yeah. Love yeah. it. So I think it would be great if you started by just sharing a little bit of your story. Yeah. Like, I don't know if everybody knows your story, you know, how you kind of came to Christ, how you came into ministry. What did mm. that look like? Can you share a little mm, bit sure. of your story sure so Barry and I had been married five years and um, I was working in the government and I was a speech writer I was an information officer working uh, with a minister in parliament and um, had a great job had a great position in the government and Barry equally had a very great job we had two beautiful little kids Kim and Jason and uh, at the end of five years our our marriage fell apart, um, which was devastating for all of us. And then Barry came to know Christ and, um, you know, came back. And he was living in Cornwall, actually, at the time. And, you know, he would come back every weekend to see the children. And then, of course, all of this um, Jesus stuff just freaked me out. And when... um, and then we, st- you know, he started to take the kids to church, and I would think that's just my free day, and he, that's what he would call it. This is your free day, and you get to just sleep in and do all of that, and I'll come and take the children to church. And one day, Kim, she was about three, Jason was about two, and Kim came home and said, Mommy, do you have Jesus in your heart like I do? And it started me on a quest. I, my walls were up with Barry, but when a child comes and looks you in the eye and puts her little picture on the fridge, you know, of, of Jesus walking on the water or something. I just, it started this this quest to really know. And um, shortly after that, I was in a room. There was a movie, and I recalled that it was as if nobody else was in the room. And I understood for the very first time, as I looked at the cross, I understood that if I would had been the only person in the world, that Christ would have died for me. And the personal revelation of that absolutely caused me to come undone. And I gave my life to Christ, but because I was so proud, I wouldn't tell Barry. And what we had agreed to do is that we would try to get back together again for six months I was determined it would never work but all of a sudden he began to see a difference in me and he was living in the basement and I was living on the third floor but we were parenting our children together for six months just to see if it could work and um, he would start to notice that his bible would get moved from different places and then all of a sudden he um you know, he would say, I wasn't reading that part, and he, he could see that. And one day he said, um, have you asked, have you changed? Have you asked Jesus into your life? And um, 
I said, oh, yeah, and just carried on making dinner <laughs> as if it wasn't a, a big deal. And I just saw the pride in my life. Um, yeah. And then I remember this call that was on my husband's life, and I could start to see it. And we were very young in the faith. I mean, six months, and we could all of a sudden just see what God was doing. And I remember sitting on the doorstep and saying to the Lord, I'm not like, I'm not like what I think a pastor's wife is. And I only knew that in movies. I only knew that in the little Baptist church that we went to. And so I said, I'm not that. Um, and the Lord said, I didn't make you to be that. And so I said, well, I will always just be who I am. And um, if you lead me, I'll follow. And he has. And so it has been a journey of life. Wow. And we just, the faithfulness of God is beyond what anyone could ever think or imagine when you wow. say yes. Amen. That's incredible. Eh? Wow. What a redemption story, it is too. A, it is a redemption I mean, every, story. every salvation experience it is, it's a miracle. is a redemption a story. But when you see God like putting the pieces of your life yeah back together in a miraculous way yeah. like you just it's undeniable yeah. it's undeniable his working in your life okay so then so then what did ministry look like how yes. did that kind of come about so you know now you've given your life to Jesus so now you're a family again yeah. and new Christians and, and and we had lots of income you know okay. we were yeah we were both working home, both working it was was wonderful and then Barry uh, someone invited Barry into full-time ministry and that would mean that we would have to have our salary cut in half. And it was like, well, how is that going to work? But both of us had this sense that God was leading us. And, and so we said yes. And probably within two weeks after that, I was doing devotions. I was just sitting there in my living room uh, before I went to work. And I heard the Lord say, I want you to quit work. And I want to teach you how to be a godly wife and a mother. <laughs> and so that night, I said to Barry, this is what I believe the Lord has said, and I really feel to do it. And um, so that meant that we went from 100% to about 25% of our salary. Wow. And the Lord said, I'm going to show you how I can provide for you. And so then we went on this journey of faith that was absolutely supernatural and what we understood in hindsight years later is that all of those were really tests of the Lord to see if we really trusted that he was God and that he could provide supernaturally for our family because if we had to believe him for that and he did then when he gave us a church and we had to believe God for buildings and for um, the needs of the different people in the congregation that we had the privilege mm -hmm. of overseeing, mm -hmm. then our faith had to increase to that. And so there was a process where we went through where we saw the faithfulness of God and uh, we never looked back. Wow, 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 wow. So if I think back to that moment that you had on the step with the Lord saying, you know, I'm not a typical, I'm not a typical pastor's right. wife, like, and God's saying, well, I didn't call you to be anybody, but you know, mm -hmm. but who you are. 
to now I want you to quit your job. I don't want you to have a career. I want you to be a, mo- a wife and a mom. Right. So now like God is literally stripping, right? All of the different identities mm-hmm. of your life that were you know, probably rooted in other things to be rooted yes. completely in him. And now this opportunity to come and be a part of ministry, start a, launch a church. How does the path go for you to, because it's one thing to be the wife of a pastor, right? but you... I mean, at least so I was home and uh, with with the children and loving every single yep. every single minute of it. And then one day I just felt this prompting of the Lord to say, get your house in order. And so I didn't really know what that meant. Um, I probably should have taken a spiritual stock <laughs> of my life, but I just went and cleaned every single closet. Okay. I just cleaned every single drawer and I just got my house in order as if. I was going, something was going to happen. And then I got a call and someone uh, asked me if I would come and become part of full-time ministry. And this was about three to four years before we started the church. Okay. Um, And they wanted me to oversee conferences and, um, you know, I became a ghost writer and, and so became different things. And I became the administrator of that ministry. And so... That's what I did. And okay. so it, my calling mm-hmm. was very separate from my husband's okay. before we Initially. launched the okay. church. Okay. Okay. So you started, so you had got, you're getting some ministry experience. Yes. You're in, in now a new role. God's giving you opportunities. Yes. And what was it like for you, like then or even fast forwarding into ministry life for you as a woman in ministry? Because we're talking now like what, the 80s? Uh, late 70s, mm-hmm. 70s, late 70s, 80s. Yeah. What what was that like for you as a woman in ministry? Was the environment that you were in accepting of that? Were there challenges? How did that look? And I'm sure there's lots of stories of differences, some accepting, some not. But what what was that like for you? It was it was pretty unique. And um, let me tell you one conference that I had finished. Now, I did everything behind the scenes. Okay. And so uh, I never was the person on the platform. I never was the person speaking. And so um, one conference that we did, and it was absolutely incredible. It was very much like 40 Days Ablaze atmosphere and experience that we did. And we would have all of these guest speakers come in that really were well-known at that at that time. And so the person that was there called me forward and said, I just want to acknowledge, you know, Joyce and, you know, come on. And what do you, do you have anything to say? And I froze on the platform. I absolutely froze. And, um, he, you know, he was asking me questions and I was shaking my head and I couldn't talk. And as I'm leaving the platform, because it was a very awkward moment, and as I'm le- and it probably in my mind, it was much more exaggerated than it really was. But as I'm leaving the platform, the leader said, you know, often fear is just pride. And I felt like that was speaking directly to me. And so I repented when I got home. And I said, Lord, I will never allow. I was so into thinking of myself and trying to sound different. Right. Instead of just loving people and loving them and that really launched me into the pastoral role just that one correction in my life and it led me into that pastoral role where it never was about me Mm. um it it always was about my husband it was always about my children it was always about the people that i had 
the privilege of being in front of. And once that happened, then all in f- all fear, intimidation, all of those things just leave because it isn't about you. Right. It isn't mm-hmm. about. So That's then powerful. you can hear God for people versus did I sound spiritual in that prayer? Did I? So wow. yeah, it was, it was life changing for me. Wow. Well, I'd love to circle back because I, f- I feel like people listening to this story might just have this question. You have taken some pretty big faith steps Huge. early in even in your your experience with yeah. Jesus. How did you how would you say to someone if they're sensing like God is asking me to take this step? How would you tell them to know that this is God if they're questioning that or thinking, am I hearing right how am I? Because God is definitely, we hear this happening in people's lives. They're feeling this mm-hmm. push or God's asking them to do something. They're like, this is so like, it might f- seem like crazy to the people I tell. How do I know this is God? What would you say to well, them? Well, I think now, you know, 40 some years in, I would say get great counsel. Um, but we did, there was an incredible move of God happening during that time hindsight when you do church history it's called the charismatic renewal Mm. and so there was this supernatural outpouring when we would have meetings uh, we would have uh, a lineup at the door uh, hundreds of people waiting and then when the doors would open people would actually run into the auditorium to try to get to the first seat because what God was doing was supernaturally healing people and and of course I we had tremendous role models in Bill and Gwen Prankard and so we had great mentors around us that um you know, we weren't we weren't lone rangers. Right. We always belonged to a local church as well. We would always say that Ken Hall was our pastor, even though um, we would only go on Sunday and we weren't uh, particularly involved in the church so much. But we always felt that we had a covering, and so we never felt that we were out there alone. We always sought uh, godly counsel, and. Um, so I think being a lone ranger is not kind of what we did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's great. Counsel. Yeah. I love that. I love mm-hmm. that. Um, you know, one of the things that you have modeled over many, many years is, you know, just, just this idea that there's really no, there's no age. There's no age right. in the ministry. Right. There's or just even in Christ in the kingdom. There's no gender, you know, there's no male nor right. female. Right. Like you, you've modeled that. You've just lived that. You seem to have believed that deep in your value system and how you've lived. But the truth, like the honesty is that the world of the church is very much, I mean, predominantly not in our culture because not in the culture you've created here for us, even as mm-hmm. women, not at all, not at all. But predominantly in the world and in the church is a man's it's a man's world. There's Mm -hmm. mostly male leaders. There's Mm -hmm. mostly male pastors. There's mostly male. It's a very male dominated, um, you know, career or industry or whatever you would call it. So what was that like for you as a woman navigating, you know, the call of God on your life with a mindset of, well, there is no male nor female, right? But maybe not always feeling that from everyone else. Mm-hmm. How did you navigate that? It Well, I navigated it because of Barry, because he so deeply believed in the call of God in my life. Um, he, without question, was my best cheerleader. 
and my best defender because during those early days being called a Jezebel um, wow. being control uh, that I was the most controlling person ever wow. because I I was the administrator of the church and and was looking after the the finances and all of that and um, um, you know I had to say no to my husband when he wanted to, to do a new project and if the money wasn't there and all of that and so um, it was very very difficult it was very difficult to be on boards where uh, men felt I shouldn't be there or shouldn't have had a say okay. and um, but I had someone beside me that genuinely believed and so when I was doing my ministerial courses with the Pentecostal assemblies we were doing them by correspondence because we you know we're already pastoring by that time and um, uh, you know Barry just was my greatest supporter. Barry was the one that really wanted me to go and get be credentialed. I just was happy to take courses. I right. love studying. Right. And so then after getting our ministerial, then we just kept studying. We just kept going and, and, and doing courses because we loved to learn. We we're both students of God's word. Um, my husband so much more. He is a profound teacher and just digs I'm much more superficial and just you know kind of like a butterfly and go from pillar to post but I love studying God's mm -hmm. word I love God's mm -hmm. word mm -hmm. and uh, Barry and I have had the privilege of going to different places around the world I don't think I've ever been late for a worship service because <laughs> I want to be the first one to stand at the front and worship the Lord I can't understand all those people that want to sit in the back row. I want to sit right at the front or be in front of an altar somewhere, mm -hmm. worshiping God with my whole heart. And then to have the pri privilege of sitting under some of the most profound teaching moments have come from my pastor, which was Barry, and now my pastor, which is my son. And to sit there... Wow. Under a teaching anointing, mm -hmm. because a teaching anointing is very different than Rhonda than when you're leading in worship. Mm -hmm. It mm -hmm. is such a an amazing thing, and I have always had a hunger to say, God, I just just a nugget, just give me a nugget, yeah. and I'll run with a nugget. And I don't think I've ever come away from a service where I haven't received something from whomever was on the platform. Right, right. It doesn't matter if it's. Parker up there leading in a prayer and God speaks to my heart it doesn't matter if he's mm -hmm. 17 years old there is an anointing that you have to be open to receive from right. and that's been my heart cry wow yeah. I love that that's so good we're going to take a little break from the podcast with an exciting announcement. Well, our first set of dates for Heart Conference are sold out. March 6th and 7th, we've sold out, Rhonda. That is amazing. Oh, I am so excited. Amazing. But if you missed your chance to get a ticket, we're launching a second set of dates. Oh, my goodness. I know. I love it. I do, too. It's going to be available for Thursday, March 5th, starting at 7.30 p.m., running into Friday, March 6th from 9 to 4.30 p.m. Conference is $89 and tickets are available at heartconference.ca. Ladies, this is your chance. If you missed out on the first set of dates, grab your tickets. It's going to be life-changing. 
The second set of dates is actually really ideal. If you are retired, if you are a stay-at-home mom with school-aged children, by the time your kids are getting home from school, you'll be done. If you even have just lots of commitments on the weekends, or if you have the ability to take a day off work, you can have your weekend still free and get this incredible transformational women's conference experience uh, before the weekend. I love it. And I have a strong sense, Lori, that God is going to take us out of hiding to reveal how he sees us when he looks at us. Amen. Well, ready or not, here we come. So it good. is so good. I love it. Now, for for you and Pastor, even in as as a married couple mm-hmm. and moving through, how have you just cultivated um, just a healthy ministry and marriage together? It's great. B? It's a great question. Um, we early on, mm-hmm. we and sitting on the doorstep, we said we'll only ever be ourselves, wow. and we will never allow anyone to put pressure on us to be something that we're not, or our children. And ministry is really, it's not a job. And so you can't clock in in the morning and you can't clock out at night. And so it's full time. And so we asked the Lord and we said, Lord, we're willing to go with ebbs and flows. We're willing to go full out, um, but you have to give us times of refreshing. And so that's exactly what we would do. We, whatever God was calling us to do, we would do. But supernaturally, God would provide these Sabbaths for us and these mm. times of refreshing with our children. But we would just take them out of school for a couple of days, and we would just go somewhere and just enjoy being together. Because, um, And I also made a decision very early is that in the early days when we had a Bible school and we had all these things going on at night, I would not be involved in those things, that I would be home with with the children and um plus I happen to have a husband that absolutely idolizes his kids and is a fantastic dad and a very um present dad he's not distant and so um we also I believe a key part of our our life was that when we uh knelt at an altar and had hands laid on us we knelt at the altar with my husband and myself and Jason and Kim beside us. We did we all we knelt at the altar as a family, mm-hmm. not as uh, just the husband and wife mm-hmm. and the children were separate. Mm-hmm. It was the call of God mm-hmm. uh, in nineteen eighty one was on the four of us and it has never lifted. And so that's the joy. That's mm-hmm. the uniqueness of our family is that we have a family calling not just a couple calling Mm -hmm. that's beautiful Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's so great that's so so great all right so over the many many years you've done a ton of things tons and tons and tons of things what are some of your favorites over the years of projects or dreams that you saw come to be or even jobs that you had for a season You know, you talked about being a ghost writer. You yes. talked about, but I know you've, you launched a school yes. early on, yes. a, two schools, a yes. school, you know, for ch- like an elementary school, school, but and yeah. a Bible school. So talk about some of those dreams that God has put on your heart that you've actually been able to see come into fruition. And yeah. So I, I loved uh, being the principal of the yeah, school. Yeah. I loved, uh, I loved that process. Um, and that was like kindergarten to grade kindergarten 12. That was kindergarten grade 12. At the time. Yep. 
And I absolutely love that, again, the four of us got to drive in together right. and go home together. Right. Now, going home together wasn't always what <laughs> Kim and Jason's time <laughs> wasn't was always like. at 4.30. It wasn't exactly at, uh, at 4 o'clock. But, um, you know, they, they were... They they just got used to this is this is what totally. it is. They got used to laying on the yeah. on the chairs while we were having you know a council meeting or whatever. So Jay, Jay jokes about times where it was one o'clock in the yeah. morning and yeah. you guys were coming yeah. back from a board yeah. meeting or because something. Because crisis is crisis oh, and yeah, situations yeah. you know arise mm-hmm. and uh, take a lot a lot yeah. longer. And you know they also know what it's like to be sitting in a hospital yeah. uh, chair while we're going in and ministering yeah. to. ministering to people so that was a tremendous joy tremendous joy of my life and then unexpectedly I became the dean of the bible school Mm -hmm. and this was years and years later and I uh, I loved the bible school I love what um what it was offering people but never thought that I was going to be a part of it and so then to have the privilege of just falling in love with the bible school students and just wanting to see them flourish was a wonderful, wonderful oh, thrill. And it is so awesome. Three years of study for students. It's it's so great. Oh, mm, so, yeah. so great. Yeah, incredible. You know, I remember one time, also I loved international travel. Okay. I, I remember one time, again, it was during this incredible outpouring of the Lord uh, during 40 Days of Blaze that we talk about so often. And um, I was sitting in my office and the Lord said to me, um, I'm going to send you to England. And so I went down to then the principal of the school uh, was uh, Pastor Karen Middleton. And I said, Karen, you can't believe what just happened. God just spoke to me and said he's going to send you to England. And she goes, oh, I can't even believe that. How is he going to do that? And I said, I don't know, but I think he's going to do it. And so a couple of days later, we had some friends that we knew their names were John and Carol Arnett in in Toronto and for some reason we were on a list of of ministers with them and we we don't even know how we got on the list and so a person from England called my husband and said because your name is B you were kind of like after John and Carol Arnett you kind of were the first ones (laughs) and so we wanted to invite you to do a couple of conferences in England and so I went down, and I just stood at, at Karen's office, and I didn't say anything. And she goes, he did it, didn't he? God did it. And I said, he did it. And so this supernatural wow. adventure was we knew it was God. And so then to go and love these people, whether it was in Norway or Malaysia or uh, wherever God would yeah. send us, was always an adventure. And, and Barry and I just always knew that it was never to be in the natural, so we never were to ask. We always were just to wait and watch what God would do, and to see what he's done is pretty extraordinary. Oh, that's incredible. I that love that. That is incredible. So, so good. What about that. building projects? So, yes. So. Um, so like people started, don't realize the hats that we wear as pastors, they right? Don't know. And like all the, the Renos, all, all the Renos, and the like, project <laughs> management. Like, oh literally, my. architect yes. slash decorator slash you know renovator slash. Like I mean, it, it's fun, but you, yeah. You've, so you've we led started a couple of huge, huge, huge building projects. So we um, started the church 
at the Talisman Motor Inn in 1981, March of 1981. And that summer, or late spring. So you rented spring, a room we in rented a hotel. a room in a hotel. That's how the well, church several started. rooms. Several, several rooms. rooms. And uh, so the ballroom was where the adults were, and I was with the children in okay, another room okay. and loved it. And um, so we felt that the Lord wanted to start a school. And but we didn't have a facility. And so one day my husband was getting his tires changed and he just happened to drive by a street. And at the same day, Bill Prankert happened to be driving by that street. And it's a street. It's a side street. It's not a main street. It's just was just off the Queensway. It was called Woodward Drive. And there was a building there. And Barry felt prompted. And um, so he called Bill and Bill said, well, that's funny. I just drove by that building and I saw that it was for sale. So we very quickly um, bought the building by faith. And we were about a congregation then of about 250 to 300 people. So this was a huge first step. And so we bought the building and then we, uh, it was just a warehouse and we had to renovate it. And we were going to start a school in September. And I remember people like Lou Dory that would work all day and then come at four o'clock in the afternoon after wow. work, and he would work all night. Oh my um, goodness! So everything was done by volunteers. Very little was done by outside wow. workers, and we built our very first building, the Life Center. And uh, very quickly, we came to two services, and we began to outgrow that building. And my husband one day just said, you know, if God ever like came and offered us like a million dollars for this building, I think we would sell it. And I said, a million dollars. And so we had a mortgage because we bought the building. We had a mortgage of about $750,000. And that was a lot of money, a lot of stress. It was in the 80s when interest rates were skyrocketing. And we had to believe God. And, you know, I remember the mantle, changing the mantle over to Pastor Gabe and said, it isn't about just managing finances. It's the faith to believe God for the finances. Mm -hmm. And so this was those those ministry opportunities that we had learned early in ministry and then all of a sudden now we were responsible for a building Mm -hmm. and so I remember the business meeting and Barry uh, went to the congregation and said uh, we have an offer we never put the building up for sale um, but a real estate person said could I just ask around and so we um, we said sure right and so then we got an offer on the building within a couple of days and the offer was for $2.1 million. <laughs> and so <clears throat> we went to the congregation. We explained everything to them. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they said, one person got to the, came to the microphone, and I'll never forget it. And he goes, well, if we sell the building, but where are we going to go? <laughs> so Barry said, well, the only thing I know is that we're going to jump off a diving board. But I'm not jumping off the diving board. We as a congregation are going to wow. jump off the diving board. And so if we're not going to do it all together, then we're not going to do it. Right. And so we all literally ju- did a prophetic act and we jumped off a diving oh board. Oh, my goodness. And accepted the offer. And the offer came with two years that we could rent the space. And it happened to be the Real Estate Board of Canada that bought the building. And 
shortly after that, the market collapsed. And so it was kind of a joke with the Real Estate Board of Canada. Like that was the worst decision that they've ever made oh in their life because they didn't see the market going to drop. Anyway, we didn't have any property. And so we began to pray as a congregation. And we would fast and we would pray and we were just waiting for God. And one day, um, there was a little French church out on Innes Road. And they came and they said, we have 10 acres of land. Um, we would love for you to come and uh, build a building on our property. And it's with the, you know, it's NCC property, so there's no cost. So we took that $2.1 million. We had a $750,000 mortgage. And then we transferred it over, um, and we built uh, the building that's now on Innes Road. And when it was all said and done, we had a mortgage of $750,000 left. Oh. Oh my goodness. And then I began to believe God for that mortgage to be paid off. And so I just began to pray for God to supernaturally do what only he could do. Because I saw him do it in our home. Right. I saw him do it for us as a family. But I knew that that test was for the test for the people. And so within four and a half years, we, we burnt the mortgage of the building because God supernaturally brought people that gave us extraordinary amounts of money. Wow. And that hasn't really happened again. Mm-hmm. And so we we paid off the mortgage um, after just a couple of years. I think it was four and a half years. And it was because it was for the people. Wow. We wanted the people to always know that what God did for us collectively, he would always do for them individually so that was the lesson and that was the um the prophetic act that wow. god did that's <laughs> that is amazing there's our nugget right now i'm like all oh, right lord so increasing of faith it's so true as it builds mm-hmm. as god just yeah. builds he yeah. just strengthens and grows yeah. those giftings and those ability to believe god yes mm-hmm. it, but it's it's not like it's bigger because no. at that time no. when something starts no. it's it's a big it's leap huge. that's right so the next leap is like it's still a leap but every it's leap, still a leap every it's still time. a leap it's every still time. a leap yeah and so now you know you're responsible yeah. for a lot more money, but it's still faith. Yeah. It's oh. still believing that it's God's church and right. it's God's people. They're not our people. That's right. And so we just have to believe for them. Mm-hmm. We have to concentrate on what's best for them. Yeah. Um, and then just one more, just a supernatural experience was um, someone came and gave us a house uh, as, a, as a ministry. And it was a house that was in Quebec. And we tried to maintain it and be faithful to it for about a year. And then saw that it was just, um, you know, just the money was just sinking into it. And so we sold that. And it was a couple of hundred thousand dollars. And so we um, then decided, okay, we're going to buy a, a, an apartment building or apartment downtown, we're going to renovate that. And then for a guest ministry or whatever, or pastors that need a break, we're going to do that. And so uh, from that money came to that apartment. And then the money or the real estate skyrocketed. And all of a sudden, after a couple of years, we felt that we were to sell that um, apartment. And we had a bidding war. And then finally, we just said, this is this is not right. And so we just stopped it and said, uh, no, the, the last one that's going to offer, that's what we're going to take. And then we took that money 
and we built a youth wing to the church. Right. And so um, then, um, if we hadn't have done, if that right. person hadn't given us the house, wow. if we hadn't have built that, if the ma- market hadn't skyrocketed, we would still be in debt with the, the wing of the youth, uh, wing of right. the church. Right. And we aren't. And it got paid. Wow. <laughs> so, so good. Amazing. Eh? I love all these stories so of faith. Good. It's yeah, so exciting. That's amazing. That's really, really mm-hmm. good. Well, I'm just thinking about, um, you know, how many women out there may be, you know, even as Rhonda said, like processing big faith steps in their own life, men too, not just women, but processing their own faith steps, things God is asking them to do that require tremendous amount of, you know, faith and risk and, and all of that. And even women who, you know, are sensing a call of God on their life. And so I wonder if you could speak to them and then maybe even just, just pray, just pray a prayer of, you know, just releasing them into what it is that God, um, has for their life. Just as you have seen the faithfulness of God, you know, that you would just, you know, even speak or pray, pray a prayer that would just, yeah, Mm -hmm. maybe be that prayer that releases them to take that next step, whatever that step might be for them. Amen. You know, the main thing is to stay for anyone that's feeling that call is to stay in community and to to really get great counsel uh, and not to be a lone ranger because we have just seen so many people that have felt that God has called them, but yet we it doesn't bear witness to the to the body of Christ. And um, so to just always be in relationship and so, but in relationship, if it's always small steps, it's always steps of faith. I remember the first time the Lord asked me to give something away, or the Lord said, I want you to um, do something for another person. And then always give them your best, never give them your second hand. You know, if someone's in need, you don't right. give them the old couch in the basement, you give them the couch from the living room, because mm-hmm. that's how God would do it. And so you always want to bring dignity and respect to other people. But if you're out there, and you're feeling that uh, you really feel that God is asking you to take some steps of faith, then let's just pray. Heavenly Father, your word says that when two or three uh, agree in prayer that and ask of you that anything is possible. And so Father Rhonda and Lori and I come into agreement Mm -hmm. and we pray for every single person that's listening. We pray God that uh, those desires, that fresh vision of 2020, Mm -hmm. those words that you've Mm -hmm. given people, those uh, steps of faith that you've asked people to take um, because God, you are Lord of every single one of us and you are the one that leads and guides us into all truth, into all revelation. And so I thank you, Father, that you were raising up a group of women, uh, not only women, but men as well, but particularly, Lord, we're praying for women. Mm -hmm. We're praying that they would take their rightful place. And God, that that spirit of of exhortation, edification, that would just explode in women's lives. Mm -hmm. And as they come into their different fellowships, into their different churches, God, that they would just Uh, be sensitive to you, that they would be used of you to encourage one another, to exhort and build one another up. And that God, that as they give all of their heart's desires to you, you're the one that leads and guides. And so I thank you for these acts of faith. I act these uh, steps of, um, 
uh, just obedience mm-hmm. to what you're calling them yes, to God. do. And Father, we just pray for an explosion of ministry yes, in our uh, in our church and in our city. Mm-hmm. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love it. Well, before we go today, one other question I'd love to ask is, what is your life scripture? I was going to ask the same thing. There you go. We're on the same page. What is your life scripture and why? Excuse me. My life scripture is found in the book of Acts, a repeat from from Joel. And it says, in the last days, saith the Lord, I'm going to pour my spirit out on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And so... That was my burning scripture. And in those early days, I thought, but Lord, you said that in on your handmaidens that you were going to pour out your spirit and that your that women were going to be exactly the same as men. And that was going to be one of the signs of the end times. And so that is when I began to step into that and understand that that's my uh, life journey is to speak into the next generation and the generation following that generation that um, for them to just arise and be everything that God has called them to be. And with that comes um, a supernatural prompting of the Lord to give a word of encouragement to whomever uh, is in front of me. And God has just taught me how when your focus isn't on yourself, when your focus is on other people, then he can use you freely wherever. That's right. That's right. So good. And then last one is what would be a character in the Bible that you, you relate to maybe particularly and why? Oh, so many, but of course, um, you know, of course, Deborah, because of the role, but also the role that she had with the governor or the general at that time Mm -hmm. that she didn't, um, try to be something that she wasn't she just was comfortable in her calling and of course then Mary you know that it says that she pondered all of these things in her heart and I think of anything in ministry is that the absolute awe Mm. of God yeah I ponder every day I ponder his absolute faithfulness and his ability to do what is impossible for man and that Barry and I have just had the privilege of leading a supernaturally natural life there's no hype to it there's no pretense about it Um, we're just people on a journey that love the Lord Love it. Wow. That's a beautiful way. How do you? So good. I think eh? that's a beautiful closing. So good. (laughs) We're sitting here taking that all in. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much for giving us a little bit of your time. Oh, my pleasure. Sharing a little bit of your wisdom. I know there were a lot of really great nuggets uh, in there, but we so appreciate you. Love you so much and love that we get to do this incredible work together. We do. It is so, so awesome. And so today we just want to remind you that there's more in you than you realize. And that you are worthy of love. Have a great day. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed the podcast today. It would mean the world to us if you would subscribe and leave a review. You can follow us on Instagram at Awakening Moments Podcast, and you will find Lori and I at Lori Eitz-Boucher and Rhonda.Corto. We'd love to connect with you.